0: to Leading and Learning. My name is David Spell and this is the podcast where we talk about practical leadership, team building, theology, and how to create winning habits. I'm a retired police officer, a pastor, a New Testament scholar, and a leadership coach. My goal on Leading and Learning is to help you live your best life. Thanks so much for joining us today. And don't forget to stick around until the end of the episode for this week's book recommendation. Today we're going to be talking about the subject, a little bit of salt. You know, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus made this statement to those that were listening. He said, you are the salt of the earth. Now in our modern context, the first thing that we think of when we think of salt is flavor. Because, you know, that's what we use salt for today. In a modern context, we don't have to use salt like the original hearers did. So we think of it in terms of flavor. The original hearers, though, in the first century, would not have thought of flavor first. The first thing that they would have thought about when Jesus said, you're the salt of the earth, is they would have thought of preservation. That's what salt was used for. Of course, they didn't have refrigeration then, so salt was used to preserve their food. In fact, in many parts of the world today, even places that I've been, salt is still used to keep food from spoiling and going bad. Without preserving the meat and fish in salt, they will rot and decay. So what is Jesus talking about here when he says, you are the salt of the earth. Of course, there is the aspect of flavor, and we'll come back to that later. But I think first and foremost, what Jesus intended for his, his followers and for his listeners to understand is that the, they brought this idea of preservation. This verse speaks to the ongoing influence of the church and the followers of Christ in the world as being a preservative. You know, we've all heard the arguments before. What good does the church really do? What difference does the church make in the world? Wouldn't the world be better off without the scourge of organized religion? You know, the reality is that many churches and Christian organizations throughout the world are involved in ministry and service in their communities and around the world. In fact, I would dare say that most churches are having a positive influence and a positive impact on their community where they're located. You know, when the devastating earthquake hit Haiti a few years ago, you know, it wasn't the United Nations that was the first to show up on the scene. It was Christian churches and Christian relief organizations that were the ones that showed up to help, groups of doctors coming together um, in, in teams that were organized by churches and Christian ministries, um, bringing supplies. Other you know churches shipping in supplies, and so it wasn't the United Nations. Of course, other social groups and social organizations came to help, but it was the church that was there first. And this has been the case in so many places throughout the world and throughout history. So I think what Jesus was talking about here when he says, you are the salt of the earth, he was relating to something to a deeper level than just the service and generosity to people that are needy. Those who are followers of Christ also provide a connection to the life of God in their respective arenas. If we believe the Bible, and I understand everybody doesn't, but for those of us that do, for those of us that are Christ followers and say we would believe the Bible, we understand that time is rushing towards a fulfillment. Society is decaying. And many people that don't even believe the Bible would agree with that. Society appears to be decaying all around us. The morals are decaying. Our values are decaying. So I I don't think I'd get too much argument on this. And as the salt of the world, as the salt of the earth, as Jesus said, Christians are slowing that decaying process down. Christians, the church, Christ followers, disciples of Jesus, whatever you want to call them, are providing a preservative to give others a chance to A chance to respond to God's invitation. You know, you may be the only Christian in your office, your classroom, maybe even the apartment building where you live. You might be the only Christian in your family. And as such, you have an incredible opportunity to be a preservative to the people that God has placed in your world. Instead of thinking, wow, I'm the only Christian at my company, or wow, I'm the only Christian in my family, this is hard. Instead of thinking of it that way, maybe you could start thinking a little more strategically. If I'm the only Christian in my office, how does God want me to have an impact on the lives of those I work with? If I'm the only Christian in my family, maybe it's God's intention that I be the catalyst that helps the others find Christ as well. So how are you the salt of the world? How are you the salt of the earth? Have you ever thought of yourself as a preservative? Now the Apostle Paul also used a salt analogy. In Colossians 4, he says this, Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity, and let your conversation be always full of grace Seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Now here we come back to the uh, idea of using salt to add flavor. Paul gives great advice about how those who are Christ followers, how those who are Christians, should treat and relate to those who are not Christians. Our conversation Our words, our lifestyle, our interactions are to be full of grace with a touch of salt thrown in. Now, too often, we've gotten that backwards. We've offered a cup full of salt with just a touch of grace thrown in. And then we're surprised when the non-Christian spits it out and says, This doesn't taste good. If you've ever been swimming in the ocean and gotten a mouthful of salty seawater, you know how unpleasant that can be. You know, the Apostle Paul knew what he was talking about. Most of his ministry was around people who had little or no understanding of the Jewish law or the teachings of Jesus. The people that Paul was ministering to were, for lack of a better term, pagans. They worshipped idols. Uh, In many cases, they lived immoral lifestyles. They, they, they didn't know any better. That was how they lived. And so they had no understanding of the law or, or Jesus' teaching. And so um, rather than filling his sermons with a lot of thou shalt nots, Paul focused a message that emphasized God's grace and love when he preached to the people. He even told the Corinthian church, he said, listen, guys, It's not my responsibility to judge those outside the church. Maybe, just maybe, if we who are Christ followers could work on letting our words and interactions with non-Christians be full of grace, we might get more opportunities to share our faith. Maybe if they knew they were not going to be judged, they might be more willing to ask us for advice. You know, we might have that person ask us the question, hey, listen, I'm thinking about moving in with my boyfriend. All my other friends think it's a great idea. What do you think? Or somebody may ask you, hey, listen, I'm having trouble with my teenage daughter. Your kids seem to have turned out okay. What can I do? Somebody else might ask you, you know, I'm thinking about filing for divorce. I just don't think there's any hope for my marriage. What do you think? Do you think I can save it? Now, these are real questions that, that I've actually have, added, have, had, have had asked to me over the years. And, you know, I think that if we open ourselves up and, and love people and extend God's grace and throw in a touch of salt for flavor, I think we'll have people more responsive to the gospel. Because our conversation has been full of grace... When these questions come, we have an opportunity to sprinkle a little salt in and share some life-changing truths that can help people get their lives turned around. If we build credibility by extending grace, they will be much more open to hearing the truth that has the power to set them free. Well, now it's your turn. I'd love to know what you think. What's been your experience being the salt of the earth? What's been your experience in in extending God's grace with just a dash of salt uh, thrown in like Paul said? What's been your experience? Have you had people open up and and share their lives with you because you've been able to show God's grace to them? I'd love to hear about it. Go to davidspell.com. Leave your question or your comment in the comment section for today's post. While you're there, make sure you sign up to get my free newsletter. I publish three blog posts a week and by subscribing, you'll ensure that it comes right to your inbox and you'll never miss a single issue. Also, by subscribing, you'll get my subscribers only newsletter that I send out once a month. Well, now it's time for this week's book recommendation. And today's book recommendation is called Early Christian Writings. This is one of my very favorite little books on church history. And I say little books because it's not a very long book, but it's absolutely packed with incredible information. Early Christian Writings contains letters after the time of the New Testament these were writings that didn't make it into the New Testament but yet they're still awesome Christian writings these were written by the early church fathers many of these guys were actually disciples of Jesus's disciples and so what is included in the early Christian writings are letters by Clement uh, Ignatius Polycarp um, fantastic stuff. I encourage you to check it out. Go to Amazon, I'll include a link in the show notes. This is a great little book to give you some insight into what life was like in the early church after the time of Jesus and the apostles. How did the, the faith transition after the after the apostles started dying out? Who who kept the faith going? And so the, uh, the, the early Christian writings give some great letters. In fact, some of these letters are even written to churches that Paul wrote to. Um, Ignatius wrote to the Ephesians. Uh, he wrote to the Romans. Um, there's letters to the Corinthians here. So, so check it out. I think you'll really enjoy it. Now as we close, can I ask you for just a small favor? Would you take just a moment and go to iTunes and give Leading and Learning a review? Good reviews help push me a little higher in the ratings so we can get our content to more people just like you. As always, I appreciate everybody's comments, feedback, suggestions, and encouragement. So until next time, this is David Spell encouraging you to pursue your passion.